Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Abner Mares is a world champion boxer, Olympian, sports commentator, and most importantly, dad to two little girls. Abner is a pro at entertaining the world in both the ring and out of the ring. On Blue Wire's new podcast, On the Hook with Abner Mares, we'll hear from Abner, his family, fellow athletes, and other people who make him the boxer and the man he is. It's all about the state of boxing, sports, music, culture, family life, all that good stuff. Listen to On the Hook with Abner Mares wherever you get your podcast, episodes in English, out on Tuesdays and episodes in Spanish out on Wednesdays right here on Blue Wire. Eggman is intercepted by Sam Mills. Oh! Steve Smith is going to go all the way. Panthers win in overtime. He steps up, throws for the end zone. Olsen, touchdown! Brian Burns to the house. This one is picked again. Intercepted by Boston. Bridgewater, throw into the end zone, touchdown! Samuel still on his feet, inside the five, to the end zone, touchdown! What a play! And it is caught for the touchdown by Moore. He is McCaffrey, and in the foot race, McCaffrey to the end zone. He pounded on three! One, two, three! He pounded! And welcome back to another episode of The Roar, brought to you by Blue Wire. My name is Billy Marshall, and to help preview the Saints this week, we have Nick Underhill from New Orleans.Football. Nick, how are you? Hey, I'm doing well, man. Thanks for having me. Yeah, so this is a pretty fascinating matchup going into it. You have a lot of the components with the Panthers picking up of Teddy Bridgewater, Joe Brady, uh, Keith Kirkwood. Um, and the likes, and obviously Sean Payton this past year blocked the Panthers from uh, drafting Tommy Lee Stevens and also uh, one of their coaches, I believe, who is like an assistant offensive line coach. So there seems to be a little bit of a rivalry brewing between the two, um, as we can tell. But 
your overall impression so far of how the Saints have done this season before we get into a more micro matchup of how this will play out? I think so far it'd be fair to say that they've underperformed and underwhelmed um, pretty much across the board. I I, I really don't think that you can really look at anyone outside of uh, Alvin Kamara and now I guess Emmanuel Sanders, but it took him a little bit to get going. But I think everybody's underperforming right now. And this was supposed to be a team that, you know, was billed as having one of the more talented rosters in the NFL. And I think they were a pretty popular Super Bowl pick. And, well, I think there's still time to get there in the way the season is set up. It's been a little bit weird. I mean, I think it's fair to say that, that you know, they've been a little bit disappointing so far, really across the board. Uh, the secondary was supposed to be good. And I think everybody in that group is, is you know, kind of struggling to this point. Um, it took Breeze a while to get going. And, I, you know, I think some of the, the talking points there early in the season were a little bit overblown about him falling off a cliff. I think it was more just there just really wasn't a level of comfort with the guys around him. And as that's picked up, you've seen him improve. And, you know, you get into the, the film and, and really start breaking it down. You can see guys hesitating on routes, uh, running stuff to the wrong depth. So, you know, they were kind of a mess early. And, again, that's not an excuse. This is a team that's been together for quite a while. I mean, that as Sanders was really the only significant new piece on uh, – either side of the ball and you know they just looked out of sorts and they looked like a team that that hadn't played together in this season the way it's set up with the offseason should have set up to to benefit a team like them a veteran team that's really had their core together for a while knows how to communicate and it's just you know they're still trying to find their stride there's signs that they're getting closer to it but I mean you know if you told me they won 11 games this year or if you told me they struggled to get to nine like I, I could see it either way just the way they've been so inconsistent to start the year. Sure. You know, the fascinating thing to me, at least, is that uh, currently DVOA has New Orleans seventh overall. So um, I I agree with you. Based on what I'm seeing, you know, on film and watching their games, they look like a team that's in decline. But some of the advanced metrics maybe disagree with kind of my instincts there. So, uh, I mean, obviously there's the off-field stuff, which I don't want to get into too much. But, uh, I mean, that I'm sure had some sort of – impact on how the team was coming together because just going through the years that the Saints have always had a pretty strong locker room under Sean Payton and Drew Brees I'm not sure if that has anything to do with it or not but I do think the Saints will eventually like pick up their strides and heading into this bye week it presents you know a very good matchup I think for for them offensively speaking of which you've mentioned some of Drew Brees' declines and whatnot. I don't think he's declined more so. I just think teams are defending them a little better. But what has been your impression just of the passing game as a whole? And on top of that, do you expect Michael Thomas to return? So the impressions of the – well, first of all, going back to the DBOA point, I mean, I think that that's interesting too because even on the surface numbers, like they're averaging 30 points a game, but visually they just don't look like the Saints. It looks like everything's hard for them. Like it's just – the tempo's not there. The flow's not there. It's when they can, you know, for a long time, it, it was just like very smooth and free-flowing offense. And this year, it's, just, it's a little more, you know, like rigid and mechanical. And I just don't think that they've, they've found their identity on that side of the ball. And, you know, this seems stupid to say because it's such an obvious point, but taking out the offensive player of the year from an offense, a, a guy that, you know, got the ball thrown to him almost 200 times, like, Mm-hmm. that's a big deal. Like, it, but it just seems like, you know, we all whistled past it and it's like, oh, well, they have these other guys that should be okay. But like, this is, this is the first read like on every play and not now he's gone. And 
you know, for the first time ever, um, or the first time in a long time, like Breeze isn't in the top six or seven guys in time to throw. Like he's holding the ball a little bit longer. So everything's taking a little bit longer, a little more time to develop. And, you know, the Michael Thomas thing right now, it, it, it's a mystery. Um, we're taping this before Thursday's practice. I have no idea if he's practicing today. He was out there yesterday at the beginning. Um, you know, he had a pair of cleats on. He was holding another pair of cleats when the door opened, talking to a trainer on the sideline. He walked out, and then later in the day, they had him listed with the hamstring injury as well as the ankle. So I don't know if he came back to that practice or not. It's it's very tight-lipped right now. But, I mean, the overall impressions of the offense, it's just it, – it's a weird time for them right now. Like, Alvin Kamara, I think, is, is playing as well as he ever has. Um, mm-hmm. But just everything. Like, even Ryan Ramchek, an, an all-pro tackle, I don't think that he's playing as well as he's played – um, their interior offensive line's been a little bit scattershot. They drafted Cesar Ruiz. Um, he was supposed to start at center. He got hurt. That set things back. They're trying to work him in at guard. You know, one game, he'll look really good, you know, blocking inside zone runs, and and you'll look at him like a solution. And then he came back in this last game, and it, it was a major struggle for him. So that's going to be, uh, you know, a potential weak spot all, all year until they solidify it. Um, you know, I think he will get better, but, you know, I think he's kind of a victim a little bit of the way this offseason has gone and then that injury set him back. Emmanuel Sanders is starting to hit his flow. Uh, the other receiver, Traquan Smith, is, is, you know, I think it'd be fair to say as a third-round pick, his career as a whole has been underwhelming and, and a bit of a disappointment. But with Mike out, you know, there's been times he's been called upon to step up and he's shown he can do that. So, you know, I think long term for the for the offensive identity, um, the confidence in everybody not having Mike Thomas for a few games might benefit because I think Drew Brees was forced to find chemistry with some of these other guys that, you know, might have taken a little bit longer into the year for him to develop, you know, a, a level of trust with Traquan Smith. It had, you know, he's been here for years and it just really hadn't happened. They were forced to find it. So when Mike comes back, I think they're going to be a much better team because of this. But you know, they, they need to just keep winning games to, to keep their season going and, and not get too far behind while they're waiting for him. Whether, you know, if Mike comes back this week, that's that's great. If he doesn't, you know, they just they just need to find a way to keep staying above water. Sure. And I've actually, I'll admit, I've been a little guilty of overrating Michael Thomas, as I'm sure many others have. But I think you can definitely see his impact on the offense because it just, I don't know, it, it doesn't look the same. So what is it necessarily about, Michael Thomas that kind of really helps structure their overall passing game like is it just the amount of attention he gets or is it the route running what is it in your mind that really helps the offense kind of stay afloat I think his style of play is really beneficial to an aging quarterback you know Drew's never had a, a huge arm I don't think that you know you'd ever put him on a, on a par with you know Aaron Rodgers or anything like that but you know Starting in 2016, you can kind of see the, the shift of the whole offense the way it was that season. So I have the spreadsheet. I, I've charted every throw that Breeze has ever thrown since 2006. And you, you can kind of go through, and if you look at the depth of throw and you deteriorate, like there's a deterioration, you know, beginning in, in 2015. And they kind of stuck with what they were doing in 2015. 2016, it's still there. Brandon Cooks is on the team. And, you know, you're seeing these, like, deep corner routes and, and you know, deeper out routes and, you know, stuff to the sideline that season. And, and, and just the efficiency on those passes just drove straight off a cliff that season. They trade Brandon Cooks. And then you start looking at the way some of their plays come together. Like, a lot of vertical routes, 
start becoming these what they call giant routes and, and they're these like deep crossing routes instead of you know keep going deep they cut over because Breeze just couldn't make those throws anymore and mm-hmm. the offense has become more and more condensed and you know one of the talking points people are down here they're always asking oh why did Drew stop throwing interceptions he stopped throwing interceptions starting in 2017 because they were no longer taking risks and you know everybody talked Mike Thomas saw he's a slant guy he's a short route guy sure he is but like for this system that is the perfect fit. And they've built this infrastructure around Breeze that to help with this this aging process. And just even in their, their philosophy of, of spending and, and roster construction, you know, they they didn't used to spend on on you know receivers or tight ends. And just in the last few years, they, they paid Michael Thomas a, a huge amount of money. Jared Cook was a pretty high price guy. Emmanuel Sanders was more of a high price guy. You know, that's that's not bringing in Willie Sneed or Lance Moore or, you know, seventh round picks like Marcus Colson. You know, they're, they're at a point now where, where they can still win with Breeze, but they need to help him. And, and you know, when you take out a key piece, the, the, the main piece from that offense in that support system, it's going to wobble a little bit. So, you know, I, I don't think it should be a surprise that things have looked a little bit out of sorts. Maybe it's been a little bit more so than, than expected. But, you know, he's, he's as important to this team as, as, you know, I think any player is to any team in the league just – because so much of it has has been built around him, and you know he's he's the win because guy. You know, Breeze is more of the win with guy. But like, you're gonna win because of Mike Thomas. You're gonna win because of Alvin Kamara. You know, Drew's just not at a point in his career anymore where I think you you put everything on his back. Maybe he finds it every now and then, but week to week, like he's just not that guy anymore. No, sure. I mean, that's certainly a good point. And you mentioned earlier that Kamara's having probably one of his best years, and I I, I can certainly agree with that. But what really stuck to me when I first watched Kamara in the league in 2017 was the diverse route concepts or routes they were using him with, whether it's wheel routes, Texas routes, uh, swing routes, screens, whatever. Are, are they still being diverse with their targets towards Kamara in the passing game, or is he taking on more of a load in the run game and kind of limiting some of his passing usage? He's still running the routes. That was the craziest thing with him. The, the very first game he ran, he ran, a, he ran an out and up. And, like, you just don't see a lot of running backs do that. But in his first game as a, as a pro, he, he did that. And, you know, that's why they paid him, too. It wasn't just the, the running stuff. You know, like, he's a wide receiver for them, too. And, yeah, I mean, he, he's still doing a lot of stuff. I think the last couple of years, it tailed down last year especially. And, you know, he was battling a, a, a ton of injuries and, you know, just kind of – ate into what he was able to do on the field. But you're seeing some of that diversity come back a little bit this year. I don't think it's still where it was um, early in his his career. But, you know, I, I also think that that has a little bit to do with, you know, the quarterback and what he needs to be effective. And, you know, you take Mike out and now Alvin's kind of, you know, that safety blanket check down and you need that that, you know, safety valve there. And I think he's served a little bit more in that role when Thomas comes back. I could see him, you know, getting back to doing more, you know, complex stuff in the passing game and, you know, expanding that route tree a little bit. But, mm-hmm. you know, it, it, it's still there. They still show it. It's it's up more from last year. But, yeah, I mean, mo- most of the, the damage he's doing this year, I, I think, is, you know, in more traditional running back, you know, situations, so to speak. Sure. And, I mean, that should be a strength for New Orleans on Sunday because right now – Carolina's linebackers are not particularly strong in coverage. Uh, so I wouldn't be surprised to see him go off uh, in the passing game. But speaking about your offensive line, you already mentioned uh, CJ Ruiz's injury. I know Andrews Pete, he suffered an injury a couple weeks back. I'm not sure how serious it is. But 
I mean, everyone knows that the two bookend tackles, Armstead and Ramchek, are probably one of the best at their positions in the entire league. Um, I mean, the interior, they certainly put a lot of investment into it. What's the dynamic like right now with the offensive line, and who do you expect, you know, starting on the interior? So the dynamic, I mean, right now, just starting from the outside, Teron Armstead has a, has a thumb injury. He didn't practice on Wednesday. Uh, he played the last game with it wrapped up. Uh, might even have been a cast. That was that was a newer development uh, for him. But if you watch, he, he was kind of out there playing one-handed. And, you know, I, I think if it's uh, possible for him to play, like I, I think he'll be back out there again. I wouldn't be surprised if they're just, you know, giving him a little bit of time to rest. Um, you know, he, he plays through a lot of stuff and he's another guy that's just kind of battled injuries every single season in his career. And, you know, if he can play, he'll play uh, on the interior, Nick Easton, he's been out with a concussion. He started over Ruiz last, uh, well, not last week. They were on a bye. the, the last game against the chargers suffered the concussion. And then, uh, Ruiz came in for him and he didn't practice. And I mean, that, that's must be a pretty significant situation because they, they had a whole week off and, you know, he's still not cleared. Um, Ramchak had a concussion the week before and, and he was back pretty quickly. He, he should be good to go. So the interior, I, I would expect it to be Pete, uh, Eric McCoy at center, and then, you know, possibly Ruiz at, at guard if Easton isn't ready. So, I mean, that could be a, a spot to attack. He's, like I said, he's he's been up and down week to week. Some weeks he looks good, some weeks he doesn't. You know, he was a center. Ruiz was a center in, in college, like I said before, and that was kind of the vision to put him there. And then Eric McCoy, he's, you know, he's a guy with, you know, 40 times isn't the greatest measure, but he's he's a very fast player, and he, he ran a 4.89 uh, 40-yard dash. So with the way they they block with the, you know, the zone schemes and the stuff they like to do in the screen game, having him at guard, being able to pull, get down the field, be a lead blocker, that was kind of the vision for, for McCoy this season. But it's just not going to materialize because – you know, I don't think Ruiz ever really got comfortable with the cadence and, you know, all that stuff with uh, playing center. So it looks like he's going to be fighting his way to get on the field at guard. But, you know, he he needs to to do that and become consistent and, you know, earn that that spot. But it looks like, you know, there's a very good chance that, that he's going to be put in that role. And, you know, I I can see it going either way. It's just he, he hasn't really done enough to really build too much confidence yet. No, sure. And I think for Carolina, their weakest spot, I would say, on the defensive line is certainly the interior. I mean, it's not like the 2013, 2017 teams where they had K1 short and star Lutilale uh, affecting the interior of the pocket because, uh, I mean, Derek Brown and uh, Zach Kerr, they, those guys are more run stuffers and they haven't really uh, produced a sack between them. And short is obviously out for the season. Uh, I mean, Carolina's edge rushers are pretty good, but Obviously, that's strength on strength, um, given Ramchek and Armstead's uh, level of play. Uh, but l- I want to transition over to defense now because I think this is, uh, you know, a very interesting unit. I mean, it's always been a, a team with plenty of talent on that side of the ball, and they, they do seem to be playing pretty well. Um, but one player in particular, and I read one of your articles on him just recently, was the play of Marcus Davenport. And this was a guy that... Uh, the Saints spent a considerable amount of investment in trading, you know, future first for what's he been like when you talk about the kind of revolution of this defense and how it's been able to improve like over the past couple of years. So he just came back the last game against the Chargers, And I think you saw the impact of his, his presence almost immediately. Um, you know, early in the season, 
and this, this, you know, this could still carry on, you know, I, and I'm, I'm not saying it's just double teams. Like I, I don't think Cam Jordan's quite playing to the level period that he's played at, you know, the last few years. And it, it's been a really slow start for him, but you know, you, you go through and you, you start breaking down how often he was seeing double teams and it was over 35% either the first uh, four weeks of the season. So getting, uh, getting Davenport back, I mean, he only played 15 pass rushing snaps, but you know, you saw the coverage or, or the protection and everything start to slide a little bit more and they had to account for him and just taking that little bit of attention off that side of the line, you know, Cam had his best game of the season against the Chargers. Um, and you saw Davenport's impact. Again, it was only 15 snaps, but on 15 of those snaps, or eight of the 15 snaps, he, he, he drew, you know, a chip or a double or, you know, some type of extra attention, which wasn't happening in the other games when, when Trey Hendrickson was over there, not, not very often. And on those uh, eight snaps, he had one pressure himself, and then it created opportunities for four other pressures. So, you know, he, even when he isn't just, you know, the guy eating, so to speak, he's opening things up for other players and, and it's just, they're a much different defense with him. I still think that he needs to get, you know, th- there's stuff in his game. He came in as a, as a raw prospect. Uh, you know, he was at a small school, not very refined. I think you still see that sometimes, um, you know, I don't think he's still three years in the league. He, he's not entirely comfortable with, you know, putting his hand down and rushing. I, he's still more comfortable, you know, being more in an upright position than a three point stance. So there's still things that, that he needs to do to get better. I think his rush plan is 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 still developing. Um, you know, it was only 15 snaps, so the growth from last year to this year isn't, you know, it's really not fair to, to try to calculate that at this point. But, you know, he was still kind of just trying to beat guys with speed in this last game. So we'll see how that, that refinement's coming along. But, like, even in his current form, he, he's, a, he's a difference maker for them. And I don't know if he's quite worth yet the two first-round picks that they invested – you know, to, to acquire him, but you know, they, they're just a different team with him on the field and they need him out there. And when he went out last year after the the San Francisco game, I think you saw the same thing with the pass rush, just kind of, you know, stagnate a little bit. And, you know, they, they just, they, they just need him healthy and him coming back, you know, the, the D line was, was extremely underwhelming. And then, you know, he's not the cure all, but I don't think it's a coincidence that him coming back, they started to produce in a way they hadn't to start the season. Sure. And I guess one player who's really kind of made a name for himself this season has been Trey Hendrickson. I liked him a lot coming out of FAU. Many people don't remember him, but he, the Saints did use a third round pick on the guy. I mean, he's producing, you know, a ton of pressures. What has he been like for the defense as a whole? Do you think what you just mentioned about Davenport being able to create opportunities for others, you know, helps a guy like Hendrickson, you know, get one-on-ones and really be able to use his strengths as a pass rusher? Yeah, I mean, like, with, with the amount of attention Cam Jordan's been been drawing, especially early in the season, I think that Trey's done a really good job of taking advantage of uh, one-on-ones. And, you know, he's – it wouldn't be – I think he has four and a half sacks right now. Like, it wouldn't be a, a total shock if he got to, like, eight, nine, ten. Like, if he keeps getting the snaps and, and keeps getting those looks. So, you know, I think he's doing what, what he needs to do. He's – you know, I – I don't know. He, he he's not like a he's not somebody that that anybody's like gonna gonna scheme for or plan for. But like when he's out there and there's an opportunity, he'll he'll take advantage of it. And I mean, I, that's about as good as you can get out of out of your your third edge rusher edge rusher. So yeah, I mean he he's he's having a good season. I don't think I don't think he's necessarily a difference maker. But if there's something there, he's gonna get it. 
So I'm a little curious about um, this side of the ball as far as what type of coverages Dennis Allen likes to implement. Obviously, I mean, they have, like I said, plenty of talent on that side of the ball. Chauncey Gardner-Johnson, Demario Davis, um, Marshawn Lattimore. Uh, I mean, you can just go on and on. What type of coverages do they really like to put in? Because you do see them blitzing a lot too. Do they like to play a lot of man with, you know, two safeties high? What are you seeing right now from the defense that really just kind of puts ties it all together on the back end? Well, I think the problem is that it hasn't tied together this year. I mean, I, they're kind of defined by their their coverage bust and and you know underperforming and big plays and deep down the field pass interferences. And you know, last year, I, I think the thing that they started to do is is they started to play more cover four, which they didn't do much of in 2017 and 2018. And it was a struggle for for the defense as a whole. I mean, it it, it didn't work well for them last year. Um, you know, the passer rating against when in that look, I think, was like in the 90s. This year, it's been a little bit better with that overall. Um, it's their second most played coverage this year. Um, cover one is 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 the primary. Uh, four is right behind it, though, and it's been better for for them as a whole. They've they've gotten two interceptions out of it. The one guy that that isn't doing well out of it, though. And he's kind of the backbone of the the secondary is uh, Marshawn Lattimore, and you know there's there's he struggles in in three too, and they play a lot of cover three. I mean, I think two of their bigger plays against Green Bay were were out of those zone looks. Uh, cover four, Lazar ran right by uh, Lattimore, got down the field, I think for a 47 yard uh, gain, and then they were playing cover three. Um, and it was so busted, like it kind of almost looked like four, but it, I'm pretty sure they were playing three. And he he was just kind of guarding the guy coming up the seam, wasn't paying attention to the sideline. Jay Sternberger just ran right by him up the sideline and, and, you know, had a big reception. And that's kind of the thing with him is is he's outstanding when it's just straight man-to-man cover one, you know, the Mike Evans games, the Julio Jones games, you know, single shadow assignment, here's your guy take him out of the game. Don't worry about anything else. He, he does really well when it's, you know, there's a little bit of zone responsibility and there's that moment of hesitation, you know, do I go here? Do I go here? How do I cover this, this bunch, you know, this, this stack, he, he just, he gets caught up and it just doesn't look as good as it should look for him. And that's where the mistakes are made. So, um, you know, it's, it's been a little rough. Like Janoris Jenkins has been hurt too. Um, right. He, he's, he's, play he's back I think he's going to play this week um but the downfield pass interferences for him have, have been a big issue you know his his coverage numbers are, are really good and I I might be wrong on this off the top of my head I want to say like the pass rating against on him is like 30 or 40 right now but you know you start tying in the downfield PIs and and you know the not the inability to locate the ball in the air and you know kind of panicking on on a couple of plays have, have really gotten him in trouble um you know, the safeties are, are, are so up and down. Chauncey Gardner-Johnson has, has played really well, but then, you know, there's a couple plays where you can get him caught up in, in you know, play action. And there was a play against uh, Oakland where he got caught looking in the backfield and just, you know, let a, let a tight end have a free release for a touchdown. Um, Marcus Williams, his range is, you know, really good, but the tackling and, and when they're playing the, uh, the quarters and he ends up, you know, having to man up on somebody, his man coverage has not been very good. And that's, you know, something that, that can be exploited. Um, Malcolm Jenkins has come back and he's been up and down. So it's, it's just been a, it's been a weird year for them. Like they, they've gotten killed week after week after week on bootlegs. Like 
it's just like little organization things and the talent's there and you see it, but there's just been something missing. And, you know, during this bye week, if, if they figured out how to fix, you know, it, really, I think it all comes back to, to having your eyes in the right place in communication. If they found a way to fix that stuff, I think you, you'll see a different defense and, and the talent's there for them to be outstanding, but it's just been undermined. And I don't know if it's still there, but they were like allowing 30 points per game. Um, yeah, so they should still be allowing 30 points per game right now, which is way too high for a team with this much talent. Sure, and I think one thing that would – I don't know if it would concern me or not based on what you're saying, but you know the similarities and the connections that these two teams have. Joe Brady obviously spent time with Sean Payton in New Orleans. Teddy Bridgewater, the same thing too. And given that the Saints are all coming off a of bye week and the familiarities of the defense, do you expect Dennis Allen to have his unit well-prepared for the Panthers' offense? I think they, yeah, I mean, I, I I would have to assume so. You know, you give them a week off. I think the issues that they're having are easily identifiable. The familiarity with, with the scheme and everything. They should go into this game and, and have everything going. Um, you know, I think, uh, I think it doesn't hurt that Dennis Allen probably feels a little bit of, of pressure too. There's been a couple, you know, public comments, um, you know, about just Sean Payton not, not being very happy with, you know, some of the, the continual mistakes. But I, I think on top of that, uh, it feels like there's a little bit of a rivalry brewing. And I think that Sean probably wants to shut down this version of his offense. So <laughs> yeah. I expect everyone to be uh, quite on point this week. So, you know, they need to be, though. I mean, this, like I said, coming into it, like it's a veteran team. These guys have been around forever. Like these issues that they're having are, are really weird. And then you throw in the fact, too, that it's like silent stadiums. They should be able to communicate and become even more complex. You would think a team that knows how to talk, that's been together, but it's just, it's not happening for them. So, you know, I do think that, that the time off, you know, I would hope that they figure it out. They need to figure it out. Cause if they don't like that, at some point, these, these deep passes, like you, you aren't going to be a team that wins anything. If you're, you're giving up 30 points per game and 20 yard passes, you know, two red zone touchdowns in, in the passing game every single week of the season, like, there's just things that they got to do to be – they aren't a good defense right now. I mean, that really, that's the only way to put it. They aren't a good defense. They have the players to be a good defense, but they really need to figure that out. Sure. No, I totally agree. And I mean, for the Panthers, they, they were not good last week. Obviously, the Bears have a pretty good defense. Uh, but Curtis Samuel, his presence will probably help them a little bit because without him, they looked pretty lost. And the Bears had everything covered um, in coverage-wise. So uh, that'll be interesting. And, I mean, looking at – a you know, full preview of this game and a prediction from you. I mean, we have the roar and blue wire are sponsored by bet online. They currently have this game at new Orleans minus nine, which seems to be a little high. I saw it at seven earlier in the week, but they are playing in the dome. I know there has been talk about potentially moving this game to Baton Rouge, but it looks like it's being played in the Superdome. How do you see this game playing out? Yeah, they, they should be in the Superdome all season. Now they, they came to an agreement uh, this week with the merit to kind of have like a tiered approach of letting people in this game it'll be 3,000 fans so not the Superdome crowd but better than it's been there uh with nobody in the in the stadium so how do I see a play now I, I guess I would go Saints 34 Carolina 27 I nine feels like a lot seven even feels like a lot for this game but you know I I think that the defense is going to play better. You know, 27 isn't a huge vote of confidence, but it's under 30. So that's a start for them. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I, 
I think the Saints are going to click and, and get it going and, and look a little bit better this week with or without Mike Thomas. I, I think they've found enough on offense to still move the ball and do what they need to do. Um, you know, they, they really leaned on Emmanuel Sanders uh, the last game in the second half. He stepped up in a big way. So if, if they got to do that again, I think they'll find a way to, to get it done with, with whatever players they have on offense. I do think some fans makes a difference. Obviously, you're not going to have the raucous, you know, Superdome crowd that you usually get. But from people I've spoken to who've been to the past two uh, Panthers homes game, they did say the crowd made, you know, a decent of a difference as compared to just no fans, period. So I don't know how it's going to affect the game on Sunday, but I'm with you. I think New Orleans should control this game and Carolina could potentially uh, you know, come on the back door and cover it at the end. Uh, that's sort of been what they've done in the past, uh, at least the games they've lost uh, against Tampa. They uh, were down big, but they made a made up the difference pretty quickly in the second half. So I think it'll be a, a similar type game. But uh, Nick, is there anything you want to plug before you head out? Uh, nothing really. Just if you want to read anything about the Saints, uh, I got my website, New Orleans Stop Football. Um, hop on there. Any any support is appreciated. Yeah, highly recommended. It. It's a really good website. I'm, I'm subscribed to it myself. And you can find them on Twitter at Nick underscore Underhill. Nick, thank you again for joining. Yep, thanks for having me. You might not be at the game this year, but you can still be in on all the action at Bet Bet BetOnline is going the extra mile to make sure you can get in on every possible chance to win this season. From game spreads and totals to team, player, and coaching props, BetOnline gives you more options to wager than anywhere else. You can get in on their season opening bonuses today and start off by wagering on wins, division, and championship futures all day, every day. Head to BetOnline today and take advantage of all the great sign-up bonuses. Don't forget to use promo code BLUEWIRE at BetOnline.ag. That's BLUEWIRE, all one word. BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.